0: Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel. We are here to break down the must draft rookies for 2020 fantasy football redraft season. We're going to approach this from a PPR format. As always, ADP average draft position is going to determine where some of these guys to me personally are values and then must drafts. Now let's get this clear. If you're brand new here, must draft does not mean in the first round, you're taking the guy over my shoulder in Cam Akers. That's not how we do this. Not even in the second round, he's being currently drafted somewhere in the sixth round, which means then if you get him in the sixth round, if you even want to reach for him in the fifth round, that's pretty- pretty pretty good. I think he's a value above where he's currently being drafted, especially when you factor in positional scarcity. So as always, relax, take your shoes off, get yourself a beverage. This is your time right now for the next 20 to 30 minutes to take in all this fantasy information, to get it all in your brain, get it all in your brain so you can go out there and attack your league mates, attack whoever you're trying to stake their money, earn their money from them in competitions in fantasy football this year. This is where it pays off getting in early. The research that you're putting in for these weeks, these months in advance, even days in advance, depending on when you're watching this, is going to be more than the guy who just sits, down at your draft an hour before prints off a sheet and has no idea context on these players trying to give you deep dive information, a ton of overload and value and context. So if you are here for all of that, a big old subscribe button is about to pop up on the screen. In the bottom right-hand corner, you can subscribe and hit the notification bell. If you've gotten a single drop of value from any of my videos before, or you do get one from this one and it's your first time meeting me, please do hit that subscribe button. It allows me to grow. It allows me to reach more people like yourself. You can see some of the promotions up above. I have a free Discord, free rookie rankings, all linked down below, as well as some other strategy guides down there. So feel free to check all of that out. Now, the question of the day for you, which Wisconsin, former Wisconsin running back, would you rather have in fantasy this year? Elvin Gordon, the new Denver Bronco, or Jonathan Taylor, the new Indianapolis Colt? Which one would you rather have? They're currently, for me, very, very close, right around the RB20 range. So take a second, comment your answer down below. Let's get a little bit of a conversation going. It's been really fun having these community conversations down there. So what do you say we get into it? Take your shoes off. I literally just slid my slippers off right now. We're getting into this thing. We're breaking down. No fusses about it. Let's go right now. Starting it off with my boy Cam Akers, the new Los Angeles Ram. He can currently be had in drafts as RB30 but the 10th pick in the 6th round of PPR formats, 12-team PPR formats, the end of the 6th round. Now Cam Akers was selected by the Rams in the 2nd round with pick 20. While he was at Florida State last year, he ended up seeing 231 rushing attempts for over 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns. He was also a good receiver. 38 targets, he brought in 30 of those. That amounted out to around a 10% target share, 9.7 to be exact. And the big thing that was touted throughout the whole draft process was Cam Akers ran behind the fourth worst offensive line in the entire power five being at Florida State. And he still was able to produce. He's 20 years old, so he still hasn't even hit the beginning of the peak of his career. He's 5'10", 217 pounds. Uh, He has comps to Marlon Mack. Cam Akers, in my opinion, is going to be a steal in a lot of drafts at this current ADP. Now let's look at what the Rams did in the offseason before we get into exactly what this backfield situation and offensive line is going to look like. Now in the and the Rams did absolutely nothing in free agency. They ended up just re-signing some of their own players, most notably Andrew Withworth, an offensive lineman for them. But a lot of what they did just happened from removing players in free agency. Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, and then some reserve wide receivers and Mike Thomas and Jojo Natson. Yes, Mike Thomas, not Michael Thomas from the Saints. Mike Thomas, former Jaguar, now former Los Angeles Ram as well. And then they ended up improving their offense through the draft, getting Cam Akers in the second round, getting Van Jefferson in the second round, a speedy receiver on the outside, potentially to take on that Brandon Cooks role, splitting it with Josh Reynolds. Bryson Hopkins, a tight end in the fourth, and then a seventh round offensive tackle. Now, arguably, the Rams had the worst offseason, not adding anybody in free agency. Their defense needed a little bit of help as well. Their offensive line needed help as well, and they did not attack that in the draft, and they ended up losing some key players on offense in both Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks. Now, the backfield competition for Cam Akers is going to be something that we debate up until the season starts, and we won't know until a few weeks into the season unless we get some definitive proof and hard fact from Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams, and if the past few seasons are any indication of it, whatever he says you really can't trust based on his Todd Gurley analysis to the media over the past year and a half. So the backfield competition is currently Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson Jr. and John Kelly. Likely one of these guys gets cut. It is likely going to be John Kelly. Maybe it is Malcolm Brown. Daryl Henderson Jr. was a third round pick last year and they ended up taking a second round running back this year. Just really shows how much they actually uh, enjoyed having him there, if that's the word that I should use. Henderson Jr. is guaranteed 22% of his contract and he still has three years left for four 0.2 0.2 million million in that four-year deal. So he's likely not going anywhere after just one year as a rookie last year. Malcolm Brown is going to be a free agent next year and he's only due $1 million. So I would not be shocked if he would be cut. I would be more so shocked if they cut Malcolm Brown over John Kelly in this backfield, but not shocked if he's cut. They're not really due much money to him. And I'm going to pop up a graphic right now from Matt Dejesky. You can follow him over on Twitter. I'm going to be doing a best ball draft later with him uh, in the week, actually. And you can see which running backs have the most available running backs, targets, and carries in their backfield. And a lot of this is because Todd Gurley's now gone, but it's overwhelmingly Cam Akers 200 131 rushing attempts is 70 more than the next closest running back in Keyshawn Vaughn. 49 targets actually lead to all the running backs as well by six over DeAndre Swift. So that's just saying how much production from last year is being left behind this year. And Cam Akers is coming into a spot where he was drafted high. There's not much competition relative to the other running backs in this rookie class. And now there's a ton of opportunity there based on the players that left, namely Todd Gurley last year. So now we're going to get into the really big concern here for Cam Akers outside of the competition, which I'm not too concerned about it, but you can always see a running back by committee for most of the year, honestly with these rookie running backs, but I think he has the skill set and the draft capital to at least have the best shot or one of the best shots of taking over the fullback role out of most of these rookie running backs. But the major concern was the offensive line last year was ranked 26th in run blocking due to injuries due to transactions due to just being bad and ranked 31st out of 32 teams overall, according to PFF. That is not good. They only had 93.7 rush yards per game that ranked bottom eight in the league. So they ranked bottom eight in the league, even though they ran the 18th most times per game at 25.1, 4.25 red zone running back carries per game, 75, percent of those on an overall basis came from Todd Gurley so a lot to go around there but the concern is going to be the offensive line they didn't do much to improve it yes they, they resigned to a big deal Andrew Withworth in the offseason they got a seventh round offensive lineman but the more that you look at it this line does not seem that improved maybe it gets a little bit healthier from last year but Cam Akers coming from one of the worst offensive lines last year is literally going into that in the NFL we'll see though if he can end up being as productive as he was last year the running backs last year in this offense also saw 2.3 receptions on 3.4 targets per game it was likely skewed though because Todd Gurley was not being used in the passing game nearly as much as he had been in previous seasons because of likely the injury to his knee. So overall, the running back snap share last year was Gurley 76% of the snaps, Malcolm Brown 23.2% of the snaps, and Daryl Henderson Jr. a measly 2% of the snaps. Now we'll see if they continue to have that that wide display of a split between the RB1 and RB2. I think McVay might learn from this though and just automatically give the RB1 like a cap of 60 to 65% of the snaps like most running backs in the NFL are currently getting right now. So the pros and cons about Cam Akers just coming out of college in general, very good pass protector, very good at breaking tackles, very good at catching passes. He's just a a good running back that was behind a bad offensive line. And the other things that are bad outside of just being behind a bad offensive line and that he couldn't, I guess, technically overcome that fully was that he had an 11% drop rate. So not that good at all, but that's something that could be easily shored up. I mean, one or two drops as a running back out of the backfield really boosts up your drop rate since you only had 38 targets last year. And then he's also not a one cut runner as much, although I would argue that he kind of is in a way very similar to Saquon Barkley, where Barkley will dance a lot. And a lot of that was because of bad offensive line play for a little bit at Penn State and then definitely at the Giants last year. But Barkley is also a one cut runner at times. So we'll see if that happens with Cam Akers, if he's just a hybrid of that. And really his dancing was because of the offensive line play. But I think that he's in a very good situation this year because yes, there's going to be competition. I don't think he's going to come out right out of the gate getting 60 to 65% of the snaps. I also don't think it's out of the question, but relative to his draft capital, again, average draft position. If you can get a guy in Cam Akers at the end of the sixth round, who at the very worst is going to probably threaten for 30 to 40% of the snaps right off the bat. And he's in an offense that loves to give running backs the, re- the ball in not only the red zone, but in between the 20s. So I think Cam Akers has a lot of upside. I would not be shocked for Cam Akers to finish as a top 25 running back. He's currently right around my RB30 range. And if you're getting him at the end of the sixth round, I think that's good value. Before we get into player number two, get into the discord. It is free down below to talk about NFL fantasy, fantasy football in general, the discord. If you're not familiar with it, it's like Slack chat. It's just- just a spot where it's a big gold group messaging app, so be sure to get in there. It's free to get in, get down in there right now. Now, depending on when you're watching this, Jonathan Taylor can either be a really good value or he can start to just be right where he should be going, or maybe even overvalued. Currently, and it depends on what ADP you're also looking at, but currently, I have him going at the end of the third round, beginning of the fourth round, uh, right around the 3.08, right around the 4.01 in redraft formats 12 team PPRs is what some of the average draft positions on on a total consensus across a couple of sites are looking like right now for me. And to me this makes him a must draft right now. I think that you have a lot of upside similar to Cam Akers. Maybe you don't want to get both of them, maybe you do throw two darts at these guys so a couple of rounds later you have a potential and a better potential for a breakout young rookie running back and I think in dynasty formats that's obviously what you're doing in your first round picks, but even in redraft I think that makes a little bit of sense as well, load up on these guys. So Jonathan Taylor in 2019 at Wisconsin, he had a 91 grade on PFF, the man rusher 320 attempts, 2,002 yards and 21 touchdowns. He also caught 26 passes on 37 targets. He forced 89 missed tackles, which was fourth most in the entire college football. He had 925 carries for over 6,100 yards and 50 touchdowns a 4.2 yards per attempt uh, during his three-year career at Wisconsin, 55 total touchdowns. And he did see a 10.3% target share, dropped eight of his 65 targets, though, which is a little bit concerning. So He's one of the most productive backs we've ever seen in college. And I mean, really, since Saquon Barkley, he was the most productive back uh, in college since Barkley was at Penn state. Now the Colts in the offseason did a good amount and they were really active all around and in free agency, they had a Philip Rivers, Roosevelt Knicks, who's a fullback, Trey Burton the leader, which is one of the 10 tight ends that the Bears had and then ended up cutting. And Artavius Scott, more of a depth wide receiver, they ended up losing Eric Ebron, who quit on them, so it makes sense. Devin Funches, who got injured and then just never played a single game and went right to the Packers, Brian Hoyer, and then some depth offensive linemen. But really where they made a lot of their activity and splash outside of the big Philip Rivers signing was in the NFL draft. They took Michael Pittman, he was the second wide receiver off the board behind T. Higgins in the second round, second pick overall as well. They traded up for Jonathan Taylor in the second round. They got their maybe future quarterback, fourth round quarterback, Jacob Easton, and then some offensive line help later in the draft. And speaking of offensive lines, Jonathan Taylor, who was the best zone runner in college football is now going to go into the best zone running scheme in the NFL zone running if you're not familiar is a very pro style offense if you're running it in college football you're just going to transition better as a running back or really any position but mainly a running back knowing your blocks knowing your reads in the NFL now you're going behind a guard in Quinton Nelson he's on the offensive line for the Colts if you're not familiar who's absolutely elite the last two years he's been the best offensive lineman in the game and running behind him has been the most efficient spot in all of football to run behind I mean Marlon Mack is a good running back in my opinion he's even greater when he's running behind healthy and running behind Quentin Nelson now you put one of the best college runners of all time in that regard of this style of offense behind the guy who's the best in the league in the NFL for the last two years and run behind him has the making to be something special. So the backfield competition will be Marlon Mack, Naeem Himes, and Jordan Wilkins. I assume that either they all make the roster or Wilkins gets cut. Mack is going to be a free agent next year. He's due $2.1 million this year. It would very much shock me if Mack got cut. Like the shocking cut last year was LaShawn McCoy, but McCoy was a lot older in age. LaShawn McCoy also, they had Frank Gore out there. So one of those old guys were likely going to end up getting cut. So I, I would be shocked if it's Marlon Mack that gets cut. Naeem Himes, he has two years left on his deal. 750K of it is due this year. Uh, four years, 3.18 million. Now, Naeem Himes does enough things different that I would be a little bit surprised if he's cut, but I wouldn't be shocked. Like there's a very easy chance that Jonathan Taylor takes on the Marlon Mack role in this offense and Marlon Mack becomes Naeem Himes. And a lot of people who only watch the NFL might go and say, oh my God, Marlon Mack can't catch passes like Naeem Himes can. Yes, he can. Go back to his college state. They just don't use him in that regard. So if Marlon Mack becomes more of the satellite Naeem Himes role in this team and Jonathan Taylor goes into the Marlon Mack role, which means a lot of red zone opportunities, a lot of Touches in between the 20s. I like that a lot. And then that does push Naeem Himes out of the picture. So I think that's a scenario that is actually not likely, but very, very possible that a lot of people aren't looking at. Now, the Colts' offense in 2019, in terms of their rush offense, was very good. Running backs ended up seeing the fifth most attempts per game at 29.4. They had a thousand yard rusher and only Marlon Mack last year. He had 17.6 carries per game on just 55% of the snaps. Again, this offensive line was very, very good for years. It was not at protecting Andrew Luck. Then they really built it up and he ends up leaving. But this is going to help guys who are still there, like Rivers, like Jonathan Taylor 3.6 red zone rushing attempts per game was very good the number two overall run blocking unit and number 10 graded offense in the entire league last year in terms of offensive line play so what are some of the pros and cons of Jonathan Taylor's game well the pros are just there he was one of the most productive running backs in college he was a good and really great zone runner he breaks tackles with absolute ease number four in that department last year number three in yards after contact number three in forced and evaded missed tackles when you combine the two of them number two in carries of 15 or more yards Red zone and goal line back duties are there. He's 226 pounds. He's an absolute house. Now, the cons, and a lot of people are going to say this, he had a huge workload in college, 925 carries. How much has already been traded off of his 21 and a half year old body? But then also, his drop rate of 12.3%. He had some fumbling issues. Those things can be cured up a little bit when you move to the NFL. They definitely can. And a lot of it can just be mental at that point after you fix your form. But pass catching role is going to be a con. And it's definitely a con relative to some of the other running backs in this draft. But let me put up Graham Barfield. You should follow him on Twitter at Graham Barfield. Fantastic at what he does let me put up his tweet that really should open up your eyes a little bit. Jonathan Taylor's final year receiving at Wisconsin. In 14 games, he saw 26 receptions, 252 yards, and five touchdowns. Melvin Gordon's final three years. Melvin Gordon, because he's he's from Wisconsin, you know Melvin Gordon, the former Charger, the current Denver Bronco. Final three years in 41 games, he only caught 22 passes, 228 yards, and four touchdowns. And we know that Melvin Gordon can catch passes. He came right into the league and started with that Chargers team and Phil Rivers being a very nice security blanket and catching passes and being a very underrated pass catcher. And Graham is hinting at this and I believe it. It's just the offense that happens at Wisconsin. And Jonathan Taylor kind of broke that trend of running backs at Wisconsin just not catching the ball ever. We saw Melvin Gordon transition and start to do it. We started to see last year Jonathan Taylor getting to catch the ball a little bit more. I think he's going to be able to in the NFL. And if that's the case, if that's the case, if he's actually that productive, obviously after this year when Marlon Max is a free agent, he's going to be very productive and really the starter without question if he stays healthy. But if he can catch passes, he could just actually turn into a three down back. It's not going to happen out of the gate, but I think the upside is there for him. If you can currently get Jonathan Taylor, at the end of your third round beginning your fourth and a lot of the times he falls into the fifth round as of right now that's a steal in my opinion now once the summer is over if he starts to be getting drafted in the second round i don't think that's an overly aggressive reach i think it's fair i I don't know how much i agree with it but josh jacobs was going in the second and third round last year he paid off as a rookie running back i'm not going to say no that's a do not draft but i'm not going to say it's also a must draft a must value type of a play at that point so jonathan taylor i think that he's a good option at where he's currently going the end of the third beginning of the fourth round he's right around my rb20 right now that's right around where he's going off the board. So I feel comfortable with the upside of getting a potential starting running back. One of the best that we've ever seen coming out of college behind this Colts offensive line in your, your third or fourth round pick as your RB two or RB three. And the spots that I really like attacking right now is getting two running backs early, then a wide receiver, and then getting Jonathan Taylor. If he's there with your fourth pick, depending on when you're drafting, you have those two stable pieces at the beginning of the draft, or at least that you should be with your running backs. You have a strong wide receiver, wide receiver depth is insane right now. And now you get a very high upside running back that Jonathan Taylor can possibly shoot off as a top 10, top 15 running back. If all things go well this year. But at the very worst, he's still going to be in there for probably 50% of the snaps or so quickly get the free rookie rankings down below in the description. And also the draft guide, depending on when you're watching this might already be linked up down below there. If it is not, there's going to be a link to sign up for the draft guide for me to just let you know when it's completely done and ready. So check that out as well. The draft guide is coming very shortly. It's going to be jam packed. I've been working on it for like two months straight of getting every possible thing I can get in there for what's going to be as much value as possible for you. So check that out down below. Denzel Mims is somebody that I'm very, very high on. He ended up dropping to the last wide receiver taken in the second round by the New York Jets round two, pick 27 in this year's NFL draft. Now he's out of Baylor. He's a guy who's 22 and a half years old, 6'3", 207 pounds. And he's very fast. He was one of the fastest wide receivers that actually ran a 40 time, 4.38. His comps are to Chris Godwin, to Braylon Edwards. Lots of upsides, especially based on the landing spot with the Jets for Denzel Mims this year, in my opinion. So 2019 season at Baylor, he saw 66 receptions, over a thousand yards, 12 touchdowns, on 113 targets, ended up being a 24% target share. He saw 15.4 yards per reception, 28 deep targets, and 2.36 yards per run. He was very solid. Now, an offense that he's going into is going to offer a ton of upside. I'll, th- I'll throw it up once again. Matt Zajewski's tweet here for wide receivers now the most available targets. So that means how many guys that were on the offense last year and saw targets are now gone. Most available targets for rookie wide receivers. CD Lamb is going to be number one. There's no more Jason Witt in there. There's there's no more Randall Cobb. That's the big ones. But then Denzel Mims is number two with 183 and number two by a wide stretch over Van Jefferson's number three. Denzel Mims is walking into a spot where he can potentially and probably should start right off the bat on the outside with Rashad Perriman, Crowder in the slot, Bell in the backfield and have an opportunity to seize a ton of target share since 183 are now on the table from namingly Demarius Thomas and Robbie Anderson last year. Now in the offseason, the Jets did a ton and they did a lot, a lot with their offensive line, but they added some pieces. They added, and I'll throw it up on the screen right now, tons of offensive linemen. As you can see, George Font, Connor McGarvin, Alex Lewis, all offensive linemen, Josh Andrews, Greg Van Rotten, literally five offensive linemen. They late added just recently, Frank Gore as a depth piece behind Le'Veon Bell and ahead of probably the Michael P. Ryan, one of their rookie running backs. And then they added Brashad Perriman, who right now profiles out with them, Mims to sort of be the number one wide receiver on the outside. They lost Robbie Anderson. They lost to Thomas, Ty Montgomery, who just recently signed with the New Orleans Saints, and then a couple of offensive linemen they lost as well. Their biggest stuff was happening in the NFL draft for them. Getting Makai Beckman tackle in the first round has a very, very versatile skill set. A lot of upside for Beckman at that pick. Mims in the second round, the late second round, Mims, who was touted to be a, a first round wide receiver. A lot of people were mocking him to the Packers in the first round, ended the first round. So lots of upsides for Mims where he was currently picked at pick 27, late second round for the Jets. And here's why I like him. He's currently going as wide receiver 62 with the 15.07. So the mid to later 15th round of your drafts, he's a free pick for you. He would be like your wide receiver six on your teams right now. So there's a ton of value at that 15th round capital for you in your fantasy football drafts. And he's likely going into a starting job, which is not something you can say for most of the 15th round picks you're going to be taking. Now the target competition is going to likely come down to at least to start the year, Jamison Crowder out of the slot, Rashad Perriman, Le'Veon Bell, and Chris Herndon, tight end, who should be back finally this year after an injury riddled season with suspensions last year. Now Crowder led the way last year on a 24.7% target share and he was top five in the NFL with a 29.6% red zone target share on 122 total targets. He caught 78 passes, six touchdowns. We talked about the vacated targets and that's what that picture from Matt Dijewski showed you from Twitter, but Robbie Anderson specifically is going to leave 96 of those 183 targets, 19.5% of the target share on the table here. And Demarius Thomas is going to leave 55 of his targets. He operated as the wide receiver three last year. So combined between Demarius Thomas and Robbie Anderson alone, 151 of those 183 targets are coming from two of the top three wide receivers on this team last year, and it's going to be split up directly between Denzel Mims and Rashad Perriman. Perriman deal ended up being a one year, $3 million deal. Perriman's now been in the league for like five or six years, and he finally broke out when all of his wide receivers were hurt last year, and the number one passing offense in the league with Jameis Winston just chucking the ball downfield. So hopefully that can continue. If you're not a believer in Rashad Perriman, and the first four and a half to five and a half years of his career should tell you that you probably shouldn't be, well, Denzel Mims is going to be in a great, great opportunity to really take over potentially as the wide receiver one for this team. Finally, Le'Veon Bell is a pass catching option. Last year did see 74 targets. You might even see that number tick up a little bit this year with Frank Gore being behind him and not any other options to really catch passes as much. Pros and cons of Denzel Mims. His his pros are his speed. He's one of the fastest receivers in this draft. Very sneaky. His hands, explosiveness. He had bad quarterbacks throughout all of college and he's very good hitch route run. The negatives are some of his physicality. He's a little bit older, if you will count that as a negative against him relative to some of the other wide receivers. So now that he's on this team, it doesn't matter as much that he's 23, but most wide receivers coming out of the draft, 21, you get an extra two years out of them at their peak ages or entering their peak ages on their rookie contracts. He was not that great in terms of the broken tackle department. He didn't add a lot of deception off the line of scrimmage, but those are some things, mainly the deception that you kind of mold once you get into the NFL and do that transition. Devonte Adams was awful in route running and, and being deceptive his first year in the league and really coming out of college. And now he's molded into a top three and if not the best route runner and deceptive player off the line of scrimmage. So give me the rookie wide receiver who has high draft capital, who's coming into a situation where there's no established wide receiver one on the outside. Your number wide receiver right now is a slot wide receiver who's undersized and has like a yards per reception of like eight and a half. I don't know the exact number. So don't quote me. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity on the outside. It shows that with 183 vacated targets. Go ahead, get Denzel Mims in literally the 15th round of your drafts. I think that they steal at that point before we keep going, big old subscribe button. just popped up on the screen. Be sure to hit that and get down into the discord down below, download those free rookie rankings. I appreciate that. I will have a draft guide out in just a few weeks, depending on when you're watching this it might already be out. So you can check that up down below as well. There's going to be rankings. There's going to be player profiles, rookies. There's a ton of stuff down there just click the link you'll get a notification about it or down below you can click the link and it might even be up already so you can go ahead and check it out check out the draft guide down below right now so before we get into the honorable mentions Justin Jefferson is going to be our final player to break down as a must draft player right now he's going off the board as wide receiver 54 in the 13th round the end of the 13th round beginning of the 14th round I currently have him in my top 45 wide receivers so seeing him at 54 on average is going to make him a steal and a value for me because I'm likely going to be getting to him a little bit around before other people as sort of a wide receiver four or five on my team he's 21 years old. He ran a 443. He's come to Reggie Wayne and Marvin Jones. He played 93% of his snaps out of the slot last year. He's a plus size Chris Goblin, sort of how Chris Goblin played that, that slot plus role, a bigger body that'll go a little bit more down the field. He produced over 111 receptions, 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, on 134 targets. Just insane. He obviously had those extra games because of LSU's playoff run, a 937 snaps. 97.8% of his targets came from the slot. He had a 21.5% overall target share. So Jefferson's going to be in a really good spot because of some of the vacated targets on the field for him. And you can see based on just what they did in the offseason, it's going to help. You have no Laquan Treadwell and you have no mainly Stefan Diggs. So two of your top three or top four wide receivers are now off of this team. And it's going to leave behind a lot of vacated targets, 110 to be exact, the fifth most out of any rookie wide receiver to go around in this offense for Justin Jefferson and some of the other players like Adam Thielen, the tight ends, Dalvin Cook. The rest of the offseason, not much. They signed Tajay Sharp, who's a wide receiver out of Minnesota. He can push for the wide receiver three job. I don't think he's going to push for a starting job, barring any injuries. And then in the draft, outside of getting Justin Jefferson, they took second round tackle Azira Cleveland, and then some more depth pieces along the way on the offensive line. They took KJ Osborne, a fifth round wide receiver, but mainly it was Justin Jefferson and not much after that in terms of his role and threatened from the offseason of both free agency and the NFL draft. Now we talked about Justin Jefferson playing so many, 98% or so of his targets came from the slot last year. And really he's not going to have that opportunity to do this if the Minnesota Vikings run an offense similar to what they did last year and outside of it just not working this year, there's probably no reason why they get away from that. And what that means is a lot of people think Adam Thielen is still a slot wide receiver. No, last year he was not a slot wide receiver. They ran two tight end sets, which means there's no slot wide receiver on the field. So when he was actually healthy, he was running on the outside. Izzy Johnson, who was actually a slot wide receiver last year and profiled as that, was forced to play on the outside at times because they ran so many two tight end sets with rookie Irv Smith Jr. and veteran Kyle Rudolph, their tight ends on the field. So don't get confused here and think that Justin Jefferson is just going to play 60% of his snaps a game out of the slot. No, they might not even be in uh, three wide receiver sets or four wide receiver sets to have a slot receiver on the field 60% of the time. They're going to very much so want to get Dalvin Cook back there with 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field, which means Jefferson is going to be forced to the outside. And now he's coming into a situation where he has to be forced to change his role, which he has not played really on the outside in years at this point. And that's where press coverage comes into play, better cornerback play, have to get more physical there's not as much of release use that you can have not as much versatility when you run to the right side on the right side of the field you're out of balance right when you're in the sliding run to the right side you could use that as a deceptive piece in your arsenal of route running so I'd say those are the two biggest concerns in general but his target share is going to come down to Adam Thielen Busy Johnson, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, and Dalvin Cook. So, literally two tight ends who Irv Smith can take a step forward this year. I believe that, and a running back. And outside of that, not much. Busy Johnson, who didn't prove much last year, a little bit of a red zone weapon, quote unquote, for them, but not much. Adam Thielen, of course, when healthy is a strong option, and Kirk Cousins loves him, but not much behind that. So, I do think your starting wide receiver sets in this offense in general will be Adam Thielen and Jefferson on the outside, both Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph on the field, with Dalvin Cook and Kirk in the backfield. That is what makes the most sense to me. And the draft capital being picked in the first round at pick 22 stands out. You're also looking at Stefan Diggs gone to Buffalo in the trade, leaving behind 93 targets, 22% of the target share, 11% of the red zone target share, 1132 yards, and six touchdowns on 63 receptions. That's a lot to be picked up on. That's a lot left behind. Dalvin Cook was actually the number two receiver on this team last year, Partially because Adam Thielen was hurt, but he saw 62 targets, caught 53 of them. Thielen, in just 10 games, saw 18.5% of the target share. He saw 30 receptions for seven touchdowns on 48 targets, 17.8%. And then Busy Johnson, in his rookie year, caught 31 of 45 targets, just 11% target share, mainly operating outside of the slot. And this is how bad he was: 1.03 yards per route run. That is one of the worst that you'll find in the entire league. Busy Johnson ended up being sixth in target share behind both of the tight ends. He was fourth in routes run on this team. So you can see Busy Johnson struggled to make that transition to the outside. He's not the caliber of a receiver coming out, at least this year, that Justin Jefferson being comped to Reggie Wayne uh, was, but it's going to be difficult. I don't think it's going to be a clear thing, but just based on the fact that the opportunity that he should get on the outside, I think it's going to stand out for him. You had Kirk Cousins last year in 2019. They ranked 31st in passing per game. Cousins, I think it was like week one or two. He only threw 10 times. He's his number three overall graded offense by pro football focus, 220 passing yards per game. He had the number two protection rate at 88.1%. He passed 62.85% of the time compared to running plays, which was just 27th in the league but he was fifth in true completion percentage. He was 10th in deep ball accuracy, fourth in play action completion. So Kirk Cousins, they burn in an offense that very similar to Ryan Tannehill and the Titans thrived off running the ball and using play action and accurate quarterback play. If Kirk Cousins continues to do that, and we know him to be an accurate quarterback, it's only going to help a rookie like Jefferson even more. You just don't have to be as on and crisp with your route running earlier in the season. So give me Justin Jefferson if he's going in like the 13th round, 12th round of your drafts. I do like the value in waiting just to get Denzel Mims as like the 15th round guy or 14th round guy. But if you need some wide receivers and you want some upside guys, I think, Jefferson at that draft capital opens up right now for me to be the highest projected and highest ranked rookie wide receiver ahead of the Jerry Judys, ahead of the Henry Rugg CD Lambs in his current position for 2020 redraft format. So I'll throw out a couple of just honorable mention. Clyde Edwards, helaire Jalen Rieger and Michael Pittman are honorable mentions for must draft guys. They are not must draft guys. That's why they're not featured in this video. But Edwards helaire is currently going in like the second round of drafts. It's a little bit too high for me. If he starts to get dropped down to the third or fourth, that's okay. I don't think Second round means you don't draft him at all. I think it's a value, but now you're choosing him over guys like Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders in some instances at that point. So it's a little bit risky. Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette. That's where you're starting to take Clyde Edwards Hilaire over those guys. And is it so much of the hype machine of going to Andy Reid and going to Patrick Mahomes? Or is it actually the skill set and the role that you believe in? I think it's somewhere in between that. So the second round, I think he's fine if you want to take him there, but I think it's not a situation that makes him a good value. Jalen Maker's not yet in this video because there's a lot of uncertainty. Yes, he was taken in the first round. He should have a role, but as of right now, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey plan to come back. As of right now, this team runs a ton of two tight ends, 12 personnel, and they're good ones And Goddard and in Zachard, you have a pass catching running back? You have three other wide receivers that they got by trading in the draft with Marquis Goodman out of the 49ers and a couple more that they drafted, like a John Hightower in the draft. So there's a lot of opportunity there for other guys. And then Michael Pittman, it'll just be a thing of what does Paris Campbell look like, right? If Paris Campbell is going to be the wide receiver two on this team, Pittman now becomes a wide receiver three, and it's not as attractive. If Pittman just jumps Campbell, and based on draft capital, maybe he does, well, now you're in a situation where it's T.Y. Hilton, it's Pittman, and Pittman is probably the better a red zone guy at that point. So that is it for the must draft rookies right now a second, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit all of those things and get into the discord. It's totally free to talk some NFL stuff with me, a bunch of other people. It is linked down below right now. I appreciate you all being here. Check out some of the free content and the rookie rankings down there. Check out the draft guide that's going to be down there shortly. If it's not, you can use the sign-up code to get you just an email when it comes out. You don't have to pay right now. It's just saying, Hey, I'm interested. Send me an email when it's ready. And if you're curious of what this little $5 play is, it's free. If you want to use the promo code vetri linked down below, it's a free $5 to play with on the guy above me, that little logo monkey knife fight. It's a player prop site. Also, if you want to not only take advantage of the free $5, they'll give you a hundred percent deposit match up to 50 bucks. So you want to just bet, do some sports betting, $30 goes in, they'll give you 35 back on your first deposit. Check that out. You have to use the link down below or the promo code Vetri. Thank you so much. My name is Sal Vetri. I appreciate it. Big old subscribe button. Once again, please take the time to hit it. I really appreciate that. It just, it just shows me and validates that this work is being appreciated. So have a great rest of your day and I'll see you all in the next one.